Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Welcome, welcome, everyone. To Beast Nation Radio presents Is it Because I'm Black. I'm your hostess, Ashley Kaylee. And alongside of me tonight, I have Matrix Black. Hello, hello, hello. Matrix, why don't you tell everybody about our topic tonight? Our topic tonight is about sexual abuse and assault. What can be done about this pandemic? Yes, and tonight, to open up the show, we are going to have a poetic skit gun to bring in the topic on the platform. You ready, Matrix? Always. Hey, Black, you know there's a few things I need to say, but I'm not quite sure how to make my tongue twist the words I need to utter from my lips. Yeah, I know you and I ride like Bunny and Clyde, but I don't think you're ready to die with this here that's going on in my mind. Yeah, I know. I know that you said you'd be there for me, but I can't even be there for myself, I need some help. I need some help. So can you please, please just answer me? I know you got to be home. I only need five minutes of your time. Can you please, please talk to me? It's kind of hard for me to understand what you're going through, but, yes, I did say that I'll be here to the day that I rest in peace. And I know that you have these tattooed tears on the bottom of your soul that are sending you apart piece by piece. I can tell now when I hold you in the way that you shudder. And it calls him to go silent. The silence echoes so loud and around, and I don't understand. He's supposed to be my friend. The one I can run to, lean on to, and the one that could hold on to my sorrows. The one that was like my notepad, and I was the pen, scrubbing my stories on his pad. Lines of these hill words, and he, he was the one that said he'd be there for me. So as I knock, knock on his front door, I pray that he answers. Because I have to get this off my heart and my mind. And I know he talks about the tattoo tears that I hold also there. But I don't think he understands. Do you truly understand? Can you answer me? Can you answer me? Mike, I know you can hear me. So can you answer me? 
How can I open up to you if your words seem so silent and they bounce around in this empty room? How can I tell you what's really going on with me? Can you help me? Because I said to you that I would be here until the day was no longer in the sky, until the moon would no longer rise. I need you to recognize that I really mean that I would be here for you. You have to open up to me. You cannot keep these dark skeletons that are lying up in your closet that are trying to bury these. You have to release this so you can finally be free. If you don't trust no man in this earth, I need you right now to put some trust in me. Talk to me. Do you remember the day? The day you and I went to that party after your football game and how ecstatic I was and how you wrapped me in your arms as you smiled, that biggest smile I ever seen and how I had those tears in my eyes. Do you remember that night? Yes, I I remember that night. And I was holding you, but when I was holding you, your skin felt like it was crawling up your arms, down my back, into my sleeves. And the tears that you were crying, I thought they were tears of joy, but those tears I did not and could not really conceive. See, I didn't know what was wrong with you, but something was pushing me, pulling me closer to you, saying that I needed to hold you even more. And the holding of your heart and holding of this hug had to be way beyond just love. I need to protect you even more. But I had a question mark in my mind. What is she hiding from me? I don't know if you remember your so-called best friend that said that he was sort of kind of in love with me. He wanted you to kind of sort of hook us up, and I remember tiptoeing into the room. He told me that you were waiting on me and that you needed me to do something for your book because there was another test that you missed, but your teacher said you could look it up, so I was looking for you. I remember as I entered into that room, his back leans against the door. If only I knew what I had in store. And just as I left, I ran into you, and you were just smiling so wide. And I didn't know what to say, so I just looked at you. Faking that smile on those tearful eyes with this so-called friend you had ripped me from the inside. And I know you may not believe me, but I have to let you know that you got to be careful of the company you keep. So what you're telling me is, one of my friends that I've known since way back when, when I was even nine going on ten, touched you and committed one of the most atrocities or sins. He touched you. I knew he said he kind of liked you, but that was before that I got with you when I thought he got that out of the system. But you need to tell me that he touched you in an improper manner or assaulted you in a destructive manner and left your body on the inside stripped out, but your inside's not ripped out, but now you feel colder in winter. So what you're telling me is that he has made you numb right now. Yes. So by you... Oh. So let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. He lied to you. He First lied. and foremost, because I never told him anything that had to say that you and him would ever be in a room alone together. You didn't? No, I did not. 
Then how come he took that time to utter those words that slipped from his lips? See, all this time I hated you. I had such anger that arose in my body that I couldn't even stand sight of you because I thought that you had something to do with this, and that's why I came knocking on your door in the bit of rain and cold on this day in November to ask you. Did you know what was going to happen that day? Were you aware of the twisted fate that your friend had, or was it just the fact that you kept bad company? Why would you think that? Why would you ever possibly think that since you were my woman that I would even sink to the lowest and the depths of depravity that that dude was in? Yes, I kept bad company because I had just kept bad company because I hadn't even fathomed that he could even become a phantasm to have your blood leaking from your inside like protoplasm. See, he started to act differently after that day. I remember he started distancing himself from me that day. And I didn't understand that type way. We didn't really hang the same. We didn't bang the same. No, not that way. I was wondering what made him suddenly change like the wind. I would never do that to you. I would never let any man commit such an atrocity or sin. But now that you finally told me, why did you lie with all of those demons around you deep within and had all that built up on the inside against me? Why didn't you tell me as soon as you could to ask and look in my eyes of the man you said you loved to see if it was me? Why couldn't you trust me? I was afraid. Afraid that our love wasn't strong enough to bear through this, so I figured if I ran away and hid behind my own demons that I would be okay by myself. So I thought that if I left, alone with my own demons, said, I protect you. See, I didn't want to ruin your scholarship and that you plan on going to the NFL, and I didn't want to slander you and worry you, and you start to drop off in your books, see. I really honestly thought that I would be more of a burden on you, on top of the fact that your friend said that he would have took my throat if I ever said a word. But I got so filled with so much hatred of you, and I loved you so much that I thought I should give you the benefit of the doubt. But I feel so sick. Sick to my stomach, and I'm sorry. Sorry that I did not tell you before. Sorry that I did not reach out to you. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, so sorry that I didn't think my love could bear through this. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that one of the closest of my kin that I thought of, closest as family members I thought that was my friend, would hurt you like that. I'm sorry that I couldn't see because my eye was so blind on the friendship I didn't understand that he was constantly plotting upon these. But now it makes sense to me. And yes, I did fulfill every goal and every dream that I had, but the one I wanted to share my life with I didn't have you. But see, I still know where he stays. And this game, even though it was back in the day, I refused to finally play. See, he wanted to play the victimizer. So now I'm going to victimize him. I'm not going to let this slide. I know that it happened and you didn't tell me at that time, but I can't let this ride because now the demons inside me, your beatings are ready to ride and I'm ready to cock this hammer back that I just bought to push this nigga's wig back. Tonight, 
I'm not going to let him hurt you again or anybody else. So forgive me in advance. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been a public service announcement for Beast Nation Radio. Oftentimes, this story is told of two people who love one another, and one gets hurt by another one, and that person just happens to be someone that the person knows. And sometimes it isn't so sweet. But see, don't think by hiding that this thing didn't happen to you or it didn't exist, because the longer you hide, the longer they hold power over you. See, through words and poetry tonight, we're going to show that you no longer have to hide. We're going to speak up, let our voices be heard, because you are not alone. Once again, I welcome you to Beast Nation Radio. And is it because I'm black? I'm Ashley K. Lee, and tonight I have Mason Black, and we are live in the studio. How are you doing tonight, sir? I am wonderful. So how do you feel about that public service announcement? You know, that was pretty amazing right there. What do you think about that public service announcement? I mean, it's very prevalent because that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And since it needed, to, it needed to be stated, it needed to be stated, and it's like for it to do for people don't know what happens to them in situations right. like that. You don't know that a woman has been touched or assaulted by members of your family, your friends, anything like that, because she she gets hurt to the degree that she's in fear. And that fear a lot of times consumes to the degree that you don't want to tell because the victimizer Put that fear in them, like, if you do this, I'm going to do that. So they think, so a lot of times they think they have to carry this burden alone, and they don't. Very much so. It is true. Oftentimes, especially especially when it comes to a young woman being close to a young man, oftentimes um, it's it's a close person to the person that happens. Sometimes even a brother, uncle, a cousin. Um, oftentimes you never know who exactly it is um, that causes this problem. And you wonder why is there a drift in you guys' relationship or you wonder why things change or, you know, you wonder why there's a distance. And, you know, and with the distance, and once you sit and talk to the person and you actually get them to open up, that sometimes it's not for years later that you realize that, while wow, this this thing happened, that's what caused the trust. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, we have Ohio, Ohio caller on the line. Welcome, welcome, Ohio. I'm going to open your mic in a minute here. Um, I want you to kind of hear out what we got going on the table tonight. So when I open up your mic, you can get on the panel with us. But, Major what? I would like you to... Give our studio audience, give our, give our people that are tuning in tonight, give us some helpful advice in a man's perspective. 
of what to look for in a woman, whether it's their sister or their aunt or their girlfriend, you know, uh, a woman in their life. What to look for that's a sign um, of sexual abuse? Well, in a lot of cases, when you're with somebody you care about, you have a you start to create habits with each other. And the habits with each other that you create, you can learn more about the individual you're with. When a woman is assaulted and it's a recent assault, you know, the obvious things are like bruises or the abrasions, scratches and scrapes that she wouldn't normally have on her body that she if you seen her Monday and she scratched up the bruised up Tuesday, or later on that Monday, something happened. But if it's in a sexual abuse, it's kind of, it's hard to, it's hard to really just flat out tell, but it's certain movements she make. If if she's been assaulted, especially vaginally, it's very hard for her to sit down. It's very hard for her to cross her legs. Any light touches against her private area, it'll be like a burning or a stinger or anything like that, and you can tell in her face. She'll try to mask it. But you can tell in her face that she really is in serious pain. And if you and your woman are in the apparatus of being intimate, in the shower, it's a really strong way to tell. Like if water hits her private area, just the running of the water, her nerve endings are so engorged, they're so inflamed, that just simple water hitting it will have like a stinging sensation that will her, make her back up away from you and the water that's touching her. Very true. As well as when she's sexually abused, the person that abused her, if she was close to them, it's an apparent distance. She tries mm-hmm. to disappear herself away from that person multiple times. If you normally would leave her alone with that person, she always wants to go with you now. Or she wants to make sure that that person leaves her presence. She doesn't want to be alone with them, period. And you can tell by the way that she acts if they try to touch her or she shies away or she moves away or she scrounges up. You can, you can see in her face and her visual actions that she don't want nothing to do with that person. Right. And, and, and those are like clues to see if that person could be a suspect because they might have had like an argument or an issue. But a lot of times it's something happened that should not have never happened. And she's giving you tall tale signs that I don't need this person around me. This person's not good to be around me. Take them away from me. Do not leave me alone with this person. She's going to give you signs without speaking because nine times out of ten, a lot of these aggressors threaten the woman saying that they're going to hurt the person she with, hurt a family member, kill them if they speak, because they need that fear to keep it going. Because as long as the woman fears them, if they, have, if they want to do it again, that's just another strife against her that she's not going to tell. And then if it happens more frequent, it's going to look like from outside people looking in that don't know the depth of the story, they're going to look like, well, if it happened once and she didn't just automatically call the police or anything like that, then she's asking for it or it's not what she's saying. Right. And see, they don't understand the depth of it. They're just looking on the outside looking in because they haven't felt or experienced that type of fear. And exactly. that's what 
aggressors and attackers need. They need you to fear them for it to work. If you don't fear them, it can't work. Because 10 times out of 10, all of these men that assault these women, all these women that are getting assaulted, period, it's the people that are assaulting them, and she tells the police. And a lot of times they don't even survive these ordeals, but a lot of times they do. Mm-hmm. If she tells the police automatically, she tells people automatically what happened. That person doesn't have a leg to stand on, but the thing is, it also shows that person who's really in their corner and who's really not, who's really trying to pick and pull at the situation to see what you did to see right. if it was your fault for doing that. See, people like to always play the blame game, and it's a shame with this society. They play the blame game a lot more on the, per- on the woman that was attacked or the person that was attacked than the attackers. Like the attacker has rights that's almost as strong, if not stronger, than the person they attacked. And to me, it's preposterous. And the reason why it's gotten so out of hand is because a lot of women cry wolf, though. A lot of women get mad at men and cry wolf. But for the ones that it really happens to, and you can physically see the damage, and the hospital can clarify, like, yes, this woman was assaulted. Yes, this, this woman was raped. Yes, this woman was abused. And you still try to find ways to make the attacker look not guilty? That means the court system and the systems are now for the criminals and not for the, and not for the innocent, and that's a shame. It is. It really is a shame. Um, and I find it devastating for the fact that a rapist get less time than somebody that robs a house. You know, and I find that crazy. Like, so you're saying materialistic things are worth more than a human body, a human spirit. And that's something that when you rape or assault somebody in a sexual matter, you're taking their spirit, you're taking their their body from them that they can't they can't get that part of them back that you took. Um, I want to bring Joski into the panel and see what he has to say tonight. Welcome, Joski. Who is it because I'm black? How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm. I'm wow, this is a powerful topic. I'm just wow. It's it's very uh, real, and it's something that happens. Um, if you do the statistics, I think it's every two seconds, one out of three females is being assaulted. Think about yes, that. Sir. So in a matter of the time in which maybe Beast King was talking, maybe 20 to 30 women could have been assaulted. And um, that's something to ponder because when you think about even the words that, you know, not to reiterate what Beast King said, but it's really to a point where the the lawmakers really, even though they say that they're for the victim, they're really more prevalent for the uh, the, um, the the person who's doing it. They're the wrong, and um, it gets to a point where the victim becomes a victim over and over again, not just physically, but it affects them mentally. Mm-hmm. Mentally, because they're looking over their shoulders. Mentally, because every time they close their eyes to either go to sleep. They're having nightmares. 
mentally because every time they're looking at somebody else, they're thinking, is that him? Is that him? Is that him? You know? And they live or relive the the traumatic event over and over again in their head so bad that the person who may not even be in the vicinity is, is assaulting them again over and over. So when you think about that, it's not just physical. It's even more so mental. And then how do they overcome it? You know, exactly. some people can't overcome it. Some can. Some live in, in the prevalent fear of themselves because of what has happened, and then they either they got to feel that they got to protect themselves so they go get a gun. And then they may even, do, you know, cause themselves more harm because now they want to hurt all men who may be men who are good men. But they hear something in their head that triggers saying that they're going to get them or they recognize a tone of voice that may have been the assaulter, and they turn it, turn the victim, turns into the accuser themselves against someone who is an innocent victim. So the cycle repeats. And, exactly. you know, yeah, it's, it's really a sad case, you know, for the victim because they go through so much so much that they go through, not just the, like as B-Scheme mentioned, the uh, uh, detriment of their bodies being messed up, you know, and assaulted, but it's, it goes further than that, you know, and, and as B-Scheme mentioned, and I totally know people who's been in this situation where they're assaulted, they, the person has been assaulted, the accuser can still be in the vicinity, maybe even hang out with them, and they are so distant. They just want to get away from that person. But right. then they, they're in a situation where they can't get away. The empowerment of the, of the person who's the accuser, is he has so much control over that victim because mm-hmm. any given time she's, she's thinking, is he going to come get me? Is he going to do And then if he does do it again, that second time, it's to a point now she feels totally helpless because no one can believe is going to believe what's going on, especially if it's someone's close to them. Or right. she feels as if if she tells anyone, oh, they're not going to believe. And even to the point of date rape. Date rape yeah. now as, as, as something – it's more prevalent. They can say, well, the guy, the guy raped her, and if the guy raped her, the guy going to say, oh, it was consensual. The girl was like, no, I didn't consent to this. I said no. But as we know in history, you know, they always say, well, you say no, but you really mean yes. Right. Well, if the, the girl and no, you, yeah, but if you saying, mm-hmm. she's saying no, you need to back up, you know? Exactly. It ain't that serious, you know? And to the point where you do have females who cry wolf. You got guys who are in prison right now today for uh, uh, going to prison right now for the point that they were falsely accused by a female and they were accused of raping her and they never did anything. I know a person personally who, I don't know if you, you know, seen, watch the news or whatever, but maybe a year and a half ago, he was mm-hmm. this person. He went to USC, 
he had a, he was going to USC. I put it that way. At the time he was in high school, a high school girl claimed that he raped her. He went mm-hmm. out on a date with her. She claimed he raped her, and there was no rape involved. The guy didn't go to college. He was a he was a high school football player, ready to go to USC. And all of a sudden, his whole world was turned upside down because he was falsely accused. The girl and her mama got a rewarded $1.7 million mm-hmm. because of a false accusation against this guy. And what happened after that, he's in jail, spending some years now, in jail for a crime he did not commit. And then all of a sudden he gets there's somebody took his case and they read about it. They talked about it. They got it, got his case going and found out that she lied through the whole thing. She never was raped. And so the city went after her. They exonerated him, went after her for the $1.7 million, but all they could recuperate at the time was maybe $200,000 because her and her mom partied off the money of a free man that that was, you know, off of his reputation, you know, and that's wrong. And so it kind of goes both ways in regards to that. So as, as people more, you know, coherent, knowledgeable of our surroundings, who we're dealing with, knowing that, any situation, good or bad, you got to know how to handle it. And we shouldn't be so quick to say, no, this, is, this, this, this couldn't have happened. You're lying. Because it can happen, and right. possibly it did happen. So, right. you know, that's, that's what I have to say on that. Very much so. um, I have a question, though, for you, Josie. Um, sure. For, for the young men out there um, who may be in a relationship with a woman that may be uh, may have been in a, a sexual, you know, abuse relationship or may have been a physically abused, uh, what advice could you give them as far as how to approach her? Because, you know, women that have been sexually or physically abused are more um, emotional. They, you know, they have different triggers that cause, you know, them to either break down or lash out. So what advice would you have for a young man dealing with a woman that's like that? He has to be truly patient. He has to be truly nurturing and caring and understanding because uh, my cousin went through that same situation, still is, even to this day. His girl was assaulted, you know, and, you know, it's to a point where you have to have that patience because she's subject to breakdowns. You know, at any moment, you don't know, and she lays in the bed sleeping and has nightmares about reliving the situation. And Mm -hmm. it it really could affect your relationship if you're not strong enough mentally to handle it. So what I would tell a person is basically be caring, be patient, have a nurturing heart and a caring heart towards the person that if you plan to be with that girl, knowing that she went through that, And it's not her fault at all that she went through it. You have to be there for her 100%. Mm -hmm. If that's your girl, 
no matter what, if ands or buts about it, you got to be there in her corner and support her and, and be there. Let her know that you got her back and you're there for her. That's what I would tell them. For sure. That's some good advice, Josie. Thank you. You know, I appreciate you, you know, coming on the panel and stuff. And I want you to stick around because, you know, I, want, oh, yeah. I would love to ask you, you know, a couple more questions and everything. Sure. That we have no going problem. On. You know, you're very no knowledgeable man, so I appreciate you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, Matrix. Yeah. I had a question for you. Yeah. Um, I know, I know for a fact um, that you're dealing with a woman um, that was sexually abused and physically abused. Yeah. For you, what has been the hardest uh, trial that you've had to overcome um, dealing with a woman that has been abused in such a way? The hardest trial has been the the reoccurrences, like Joski said, of dreams. Because you have to be understanding and you have to be that one that when she wakes up in a, in a fit of crying and pain, you have to be there. You have to be there for her to make sure and let her know that she has support. And to let her know that that's not the case anymore. You have to let her know that she has somebody in her corner regardless. And, like, that's been, like, the hardest thing because breaking someone out of a dream without making the dream worse is very, very tricky. Mm-hmm. Because whatever words you say can be manipulated while she's in her dream state, and it can have the adverse effects. So you have to be very, 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 very careful on what words you say and what words you don't say. But you, but, but, and being diligent in it, and right. the fact that I'm, I ain't want to, you know, curse at this moment, but I'm not do it. The fact that these motherfuckers think that shit's sweet, they think that it's over. Like they think that they just got away with something. Like that shit bothers. They really like. They really think that this shit's over. That that they just got along scot free. And I know, I know for a fact that none of them motherfuckers got uh, got off scot free. And they won't get off scot free until she receives the justice she deserves. I'm very patient. I'm very patient. But she's going to have the justice she deserves. Like, that's just, like, one of the hardest things because when you hear the nightmare, you hear the names, and then you know these motherfuckers are still walking around like they didn't do nothing when they did a lot of something. And at mm-hmm. the time, it affects. It doesn't uh, – it, it affects the relationship in – in ways of as long as these people are around in her vicinity, 
that 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 they're that they're there's a possibility that they're target. Or or she still got a target on her back. So, you know, it makes you wanna it makes you wanna handle your own business a lot of times. So I have a question. You mentioned the nightmares and you said sometimes the words you choose could have a positive or negative effect. Um have and in your own experience um with this, um have you have you had a negative effect of trying to wake her or what what has been your experience in that in that um in that I, I I necessarily never had a a negative it takes longer than normal sometimes because she because she won't because the the dream bends her reality so much so she believes that's that's the reality and then. Even when I'm telling her, like, that's not the reality, that's not the case, you sleep, you're in a dream, get out of the dream. It takes it takes a lot. So you have to be a very strong man mentally and physically to do with that type of thing. Yes, yeah, it has to go beyond simple strength. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring in my Northeast Ohio caller. Welcome, welcome to It's Because I'm Black. Who do I have with me tonight? Ohio, your mic is unmuted. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, who do I have with me tonight? Obey, I'm in the Hey, Obey, how are you? What's up? Well, what do you think about the topic tonight? Well, as far as Mark White. Hmm. Love being black. Um, tonight on the topic, you know, we're talking about um the sexual abuse and um sexual abuse and uh, domestic abuse right now. That's what we're kind of talking about. This is a topic people really don't want to talk about, but I believe that it it needs to be talked about, especially among black people, because oftentimes we keep things so secluded to ourselves, um, due to our own. A mental delusion that if we reach out or talk to somebody that, you know, we're in the wrong or we have this whole what happens at home stays at home thing, where it shouldn't be that way. If something's happening to you at home that's hurting you, you need to talk about it. You know, so we're talking about, like, sexual abuse and everything. So what do you think about the pandemic of sexual abuse in our generation? What do you think about that? Well, for one, I think that it's, it's like it's sick, it's sick as hell. And like I have female friends that like are attracted to older men, and they're attracted to them. And I just think that's pretty sick because you're basically you're trying to have sex with a kid. It's basically statutory rape. Right. So I feel like you know, as far as domestic violence, I feel like you can you can't call yourself a real man if you're not gonna go toe to toe with a real man, but you better put your hands on a woman. Mhm. That's true. And, yeah, so anybody who puts their hands on females shouldn't call themselves a man. And as far as forcing somebody to have have like you know have sex with a person, I feel that's it's just sick. It is. It really is. Um, have you ever had an experience with somebody um reaching out to you talking about that type of matter? Um. Well, yes, I had a female friend. She told me that she was, I think, molested. Mm-hmm. 
and it were you able to talk to her about it, or did it kind of leave you in like a, a speechless kind of thing? Well, I guess it's so bad for her because you know, like she's like she doesn't really like to, she doesn't really like to be in being in the dark. Mm-hmm. And like you know, certain things like certain things like like remind remind her of, of like what almost happened to her. So like you know, I try to talk to her, you know, like saying I'm sorry that happened to you, and you know, try to give her advice. Right. So, like, you know, certain things, it's just like you can't say to her. Because, yeah. like, she, yeah, so it's just really hard. Yeah, my was actually real for So, you know, as a, as a young man, you know, as, as a young man growing up in this society, um, what advice would you give, you know, what advice would you give to a woman um, that is, you know, that has been sexually abused or physically abused, like, what advice would you give her as far as um, to empower her or to make her feel that she's more worthy than the person made her feel at that moment? What advice would you give her from your point of view? Well, I'll tell her, you know, you know keep keep your head up, you know, like, life is about obstacles, you know, this is just one obstacle, like, you know, you have to get past it. Don't let it stop you, and just you know, no matter what, always like you know, try to keep a smile on your face. Very true. Very true. Very true. Well, you know, it's this is an issue that I feel like um, definitely is an issue among on the college campus. You know, we hear. I know I've heard a few stories in my school anyway of you know uh, frat parties getting out of control when a woman gets you know raped or. You know, even on campus parties where things just get out of control with alcohol. And a lot of times, a lot of these cases are fueled by alcohol where, you know, the woman was drunk or, you know, even uh, the date where you drug, you know, getting roofies and stuff. And it happens on college campuses all the time. So, what do you think um, as far as with the college campus, what we could do as college students to help? Um, you know, maybe lessen the lessen the probability of this type of things happening at like our frat parties and parties and stuff we throw at our school. Well, I feel like you know they should like make sure they should definitely be careful like who they're going out there with and like never like if you're gonna drink, never leave your drinks you know around. Mm-hmm. Like and just like. But I mean, um, like, how much I'm gonna say? Because like me, I'm in college now, mm-hmm. and like, I keep a small circle out here because I'm not trying to get involved in drama. Right. And, but like, yeah, definitely, you know, watch who you party with. You know, never set your drinks down, and don't don't let anybody force you to do anything. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, um, I actually have heard about this project that a group of men were working on um, where they're actually working on a nail polish that women can wear when they go out to parties where they can dip their finger in a drink and it'll turn the nail polish black. There's some type of drug in it. So I think that's, like, a really like important tool that people are coming up with or even straws they have that change uh-huh. colors. It's sad that we have to go to that extreme of a link uh, to secure our safety but sometimes you have to do any 
by any means necessary. And like you say, you keep your circle small. I keep mine small as well. Mine is so small I can count it on my hands. You know, so sometimes you have to do that to be sure. Not only for like your safety, but the safety around me. Because as you as a black man, you don't want to have, you know, a young woman say you did something and you know you didn't do it. You know, yeah. or one of your boys, somebody say he did something, you can be like, oh, he was with me this whole time. It's like five of us. We didn't go anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like this, you know, your circle, you can watch out for the people around you. And even when you, when you, you know, you may have a female friend that's within your circle or even your girlfriend, everybody looks out for everybody's back, so nobody is left behind. And that's like a rule we have whenever we go out to parties among my friends. Nobody gets left behind. We come together, we all leave together. You know, so that way we know all, you know, we're all sick at the end of the night. Yeah. And, like, I mean, and I'm in Pennsylvania, and, you know, out, out here, they got some, some of the baddest prisons. And, like, if they, like, you know, think that you did something like as far as rape, you know, they're going to they're gonna lock you up no, with no hesitation. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, babe, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stick around with me tonight because I might have a couple more questions I want to ask you, you know, so you can mingle with us on the panel tonight. Okay. All right. All right, right, Matrix. Yeah. I have some questions. From our studio audience that they want me to ask you. Okay. All right. <clears throat> well, this this is a this is a um, this is a scenario that was submitted by one of our studio audience members that I want to give you. See if you can offer up some advice. Of course. All right. So this is what happened. So this is this is the letter I got. So it says, "Dear KK Billy." I and a friend are out one night, and ever since that night, she's been acting different. I'm not sure what the problem could be, but she doesn't seem herself. She and I used to be really close. She was like my best friend. This woman I'm really in love with, I really want to be able to help her, but I don't know what to look for. What should I do? So this is a young man who wrote this letter. Um, he, I talked to him the other day. And the problem he's had is that this woman that he's in love with, that's his best friend, they went to a party together one night. And ever since that party, they've been distant, and he doesn't know why. He's tried to be around her. He, she doesn't want to be around him. You know, she, he hugs her, and for one minute, it's like he, she falls into his arms, and the next minute, it's like she's going away. Hello? Sounds like we're having some technical issues because your voice is breaking up completely. Well, I will answer I will answer that question for you while we find out what the technical difficulty is.
Well, the main thing that you got to look for, if this, if this is your best friend that you're in love with, let's take the love part out of the, out of the genre. You have to focus. Can't deal with this just completely emotionally. If this is your best friend, then you know her habits better than, better than your own habits. If this is generally your best friend. So when you hugged each other before, and now that it's different, like, like she doesn't want to be evolved around you, you can, you, can, you can see it in her face, the sadness. You can look in her face and see fear. You would even see terror in someone's face. If there's any bruises that you never saw before that, that have appeared on the wrist, on the arms or the shoulders, or when you hug her and she falls into your arms where it's like a shuddering, you can literally feel her skin crawl like it's goosebumping, but it's not goosebumps. If she's been attacked, she's ashamed. If she did not speak out about it, then she's ashamed. If she don't know how you would feel about her after what happened to her because she's already feeling low. Because when a woman is assaulted, it's like something's been taken from her almost on a celestial level. It's like her soul's been ripped out from her. Mm-hmm. So with that situation, it's more than just patience. If that's your best friend, you know her habits. Every habit that she's broken now that she didn't used to have is clues. And you can follow her habits to learn her clues. She don't have to tell you. But she has to be, you have to have patience because she'll open up to you if you were her. If, if, this is the testing of a true best friend. Right. And even, even if she doesn't tell you with words, she's going to tell you by actions, and her actions are going to clarify that something happened. And if you have any type of sensory reception or recall, the night you went out, you have to replay what happened the night you went out that changed the way that y'all act. Mm-hmm. You have to replay it. He has to replay it. And once you replays it, he can look with a clear mind. Now a mind is all wrapped up in how much he's in love with her. But with a clear mind, he can literally look at the people. It's stored in his memory what happened. If he's the one that took her out that night, and then after that night things changed, he's the one that took her out that night. Yes, sir. Mike, check check one two. Matrix, you are out of signal. I need you to check your mic on me, please. We're having a small technical difficulty. Please stick around. Give us one moment. We will be back. Make sure mm-hmm. you check one, two, one, two. All right. You have lost signal with me for a second. Yeah, I, I got lost in the sauce, but my mama's a boss and my daddy's a boss. <laughs> what you were saying, so he was the one that took her there that night. Yes, they went there together. They went there together? Yeah. They went to the party together. He took her there. Yeah. So he's trying he to figure out what happened between there and back home. If it was in the party, he has to remember that she go to the bathroom at any time. How many times in that time in the party that they were not with each other? Mm-hmm. 
And once he once he can clarify that, he has to ask specific questions. When he sees the time frame, he has to he has to do it right. He has to get the time frame that he wasn't with her and ask her about the time frame he wasn't with her, not the time frame he was. Because if she still got back in the car with him to leave with him that night, so something something happened in the club, either in the bathroom, around the corners, in the back of the club, in the club, was she sore after they left the club? Was she bleeding in any way, shape, or form? Did you see any bruises, any scratches, any scrapes or abrasions you may not have been paying attention to? Then when she, he got out, when she got out of the car, did she hurry up and try to get in the house? Did she not want, to, want him to touch her when she got in the house? Did she try to hurry up and run away from him? It's all those things, all those things are against what she was originally doing. All the things were against what she was originally doing before they got to the club. Because he has to separate it. What they did uh, is it's, it's, it's interesting. You have to separate all of her actions that she was doing when she wasn't there. And then, then, then you'll find the clues. Because there's clues and everything. But the thing that corrupts the clues is when you put, when you try to find, I've learned by experience. When you try to find a culprit, a killer, or anything in that situation, or anybody that's done wrong to you, you have to have a clear mind and almost not numb to what happened to you. But but if you have missing pieces in your mind, you gotta put it together. He's in love with her. So he's he's only dealing with one side of the spectrum. He's dealing with the he's dealing with the fact that they're not like they used to be. He's dealing with the fact that they're not as close as they used to be. And with him being in love with her is even harder. Because he's so wrapped up in his emotions, he's not seeing, okay, when me and her went in the club, we did this, 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 and this. But then for this time period, I didn't know where she was. Because it's the time period that he didn't know where she was is what's in question. That's right. the period you got to look at. Because if that, that time period that, that he wasn't, that she wasn't in his optical view, it's the time period that changed their life. Very true, very true. Uh, we have another letter here. Okay. Uh, okay. Dear Major Black, I have a question. The woman I'm currently dealing with is a woman that dealt with domestic abuse. She and I recently got in an argument and she began to cry. And ever since then, it seems as if she's afraid of me. I see the fear in her eyes and her body shudders. What should I do? Hmm. Now, could you read that letter one more time so I can really get the I can really get the breath of it. 
Yeah, basically this young man has letters asking uh, his girlfriend he's dealing with. She's dealt with domestic abuse in the past. Right. Uh, they recently got into an argument. So in the right. argument, um, I guess they had either he said something that triggered her or maybe his tone of, of voice changed, but it triggered her and she began to cry and got upset. And ever since then, he's seen the fear in her eyes of him and her body shudder. But he wants to know what should he do. Now, this is the thing about that. That's a tricky one. It's not necessarily tricky. It's it's all how you look at the situation. If you know that your girlfriend has been assaulted, then you have to check your anger at the door. You have to, he know, and ain't like this is something that was just brand new. He knew when he got with her, she was assaulted. So he knows that patience, humbleness, patience, humbleness, and understanding has to be very major. So whatever argument they had, unless she literally was cheating on him, is irrelevant to where he needs to raise his voice. The reason the fear pops up is because whoever assaulted her was treating her that way while she was being assaulted. He was taking his own feelings into, his own feelings was his focus when he was arguing. He totally forgot that she wasn't assaulted because that, that really comes to a place where you have to be really apologetic over what you've done, and you have to ask her in our argument, because that argument, see, if the most valuable thing to humankind right now is time. So whatever you do in the moments of time you have makes an impact. So that time frame he must talk about with her in a calm manner. Don't touch her. Don't do nothing. Have it on an equal footing, playing with a coffee, whatever. Then talk about what he does. When we had that argument, was it the words I said to you triggered you? What words did I say triggered you to now I can see fear in your eyes? Because I love you and I don't want you to fear me. Because I'm here to protect you, not hurt you. Because all he did when he set that trigger off is make her think that he would hurt her now. Right, and this is the thing. Um, I'm, you know, I'm emailing him back as I speak. Um, but he said the reason why they got in an argument was because his boy invited him and her over to his house, and mm-hmm. she didn't want to go. And she put uh-huh. up a big fuss and fight over not wanting to go over this particular friend's house. And he's not understanding why, in the first place, she didn't want to go. Um, why she put up such a fight of not wanting to go. And it wasn't like the normal, like, oh, I don't want to go. It was a little big fuss. I over her not wanting to go, so he said he yelled at her or he uh, raised his voice at her because he didn't understand, he couldn't comprehend why all of a sudden she didn't want to spend time around this particular friend of his. See, that's where he failed. If that if, if out of all his boys that he obviously has, if she targets this one particular boy that she don't want to be around. The answer is not yelling your voice. Why? 
What did something? Did so, how long had did she know his boy before he knew her, or vice versa? Um, let's see, I can ask on that real quick. Mm-mm-mm. They all went to school together. There. They've been friends since high school. They've all been friends since high school, and he's actually the one that introduced the two, this particular friend that she doesn't want to be around. Oh. So, the individual Mm -hmm. who she don't want to be around introduced her to him? Yeah, like five years ago when they were in high school together. So, so the individual she no longer wants to be around knew knew him first. Knew knew him first. They they all knew each other, but yeah, they were boys first. Before, yeah, they were boys first, and then she was friends with him, and he introduced her to her boy, the one that she's in a relationship with. Okay, it's a problem right there. Okay. At any time, to get trace, trace about her book, his boy and their and her relationship with those two, not him. Mm-hmm. He needs to find out how their relationship is. Okay. What's the relationship between his boy and her, the good and the bad? Because once he finds out with a calm mind. And stop arguing. Stop yelling. Once he finds out how their relationship runs, it will tell him everything. It will tell him why she don't want to be around him. And it might be a stronger thing than what he thinks. Not saying, and I'm saying this publicly on the show, not saying he's the one that assaulted her, but if she's putting up so much of a fight, it's a possibility. It's a higher it's a higher than thirty to forty percent chance. If it's higher than the thirty thirty to forty percent chance, mm-hmm. then you gotta uh make it happen. Okay. So basically, um talk to your girl. Be in a calm mind, a calm spirit and talk to her. There may be a bigger reason behind why she didn't want to go, especially if it was a bigger argument than her just saying she doesn't want to go. Speak to her in a clear mind. Lower your voice because the tone of your voice can trigger. I know for myself, tone of your voice is trigger different things. Um, don't speak in an aggressive tone, and if you have to, stand on the opposite side of the room with her. Make her feel um, like she has space or even... You sit down and let her stand up so she can feel as if she has a little bit more power. And it's all in the feeling empowered. So give her that that room that she needs to breathe because that may be ultimately what she needs. And maybe she'll open up and tell you um, more so what's going on. But even for yourself, ask your boy, like, if there was a problem that hurt, you know, your girl and, and he had. And watch his demeanor. If his demeanor changes or the tone of his voice changes or if he asks, what are you asking me that for? 
and he has like an arrogance to his tone. There may be something you need to look at, and you may need to talk to your boy and find out why. So, Matrix, 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 how do you feel about this topic of the show tonight? That needs to be discussed. Well, we got the man's perspective, you know, we got the man's perspective. Um, I want you to take a hold of the panel. I want you to take the reins of the show, and I want you to help me, you know, guide me, ask me some questions so I can give the woman's perspective on this issue. Okay, I have, all right, I have to get to, I have to get to the professor. <laughs> well, get the professor for me. Professor, yes. You're on. All right, Matrix. How are you doing, young lady, Miss K.K. Valley? Hello. Hello. How are you? So I have these questions for you. Okay. Now, as a woman that has dealt with situations similar to this, what is the most terrifying thing that people don't know about this. On the woman's side, what is the thing that makes it so hard for a woman to open up? The hardest thing, I would say, judgment. Feeling that you're going to be judged for it, that they're going to find a reason to find something you did to make it your fault. That's, I think that's one of the fears, but another fear um, has to be the fear of not knowing it's going to happen again, especially if that person uh, if that person is still working or if that person's never been caught or even if that person um some wild some wild way in the twisted universe of their God got out of what happened to them, you know, they they didn't get trialed or convicted for what they did to fear that it'll happen again. Very, very, very true. I understand that completely. Matter of fact What do you feel about how your personal city handles assault assault charges and situations when when they know for a fact when 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 the rape kits are given and they come back that it's positive that these women have been raped? What do you feel about how in your area how they handle rape cases? Well, in my area, they have over 200-plus backlog rape cases that have not even touched an officer's desk. Um, it's sad because in my city, they're too busy trying to catch murderers, which they're barely able to do that, uh, due to not having enough manpower debt. Rape cases are not on their high-priority list. So, therefore, these cases get pushed back and pushed back and get pushed back. And they get pushed back so far to where some of these women move out the city or some of these women are safeguarded such to the point they totally forget or become oblivious to the fact that 
this thing have happened to them. Um, these cases are not treated as high priority. The only way they get treated as high priority is if the woman has beaten to death or if someone witnesses it or walks in on this or if it happens right in front of a police officer, then it becomes a high priority. It becomes something important. Um, and even then, the police department picks and chooses, or I feel they pick and choose when they feel it's important. And not only that, the judicial system they have is so twisted and screwed that they probably are going to get maybe two years, or they may get a slap on the wrist, especially if this person is, oh, well, this person has drug in their system, or take you, you know, to Drug Anonymous, AA, whatever the case may be, learn from your lesson, become a better person, and get a slap on the wrist. Um, and I find that devastating, personally, in my own point of view, I find that very devastating. Mm. Well, we also have a question on, I also have another question for you. Okay. As, how does it feel as a victim when the, the, the attackers not only are not getting tried, or convicted at all in the situations that happen, that they continually try to speak to you, they continually try to call you, they continually try to be in touch with you. What do you say to the women that the attackers that have not been tried or convicted that keep trying to come at these same women? What do you say to them to give, tell them what to do? What do you suggest they do? I would say to them, one, um, do not be afraid, do not hide. Because the more you hide, uh, the more people cannot reach out to help you. Do not hide. Um, speak out. Whether it's somebody you love, whether it's a friend, um, whether it's a family member, speak out. Do not stay silent. And two, try the best you can to get a restraining order, some type of order of protection, so that if this person does contact you, they are. Um, they are held accountable for what they've done. And another thing is don't don't let them have that power over you by thinking that um, them harassing you and calling you or them, them harassing and calling you that they have the power any longer because they don't. They had that power for that one moment in time, and you have to be strong enough to take that power back. So the biggest thing I can tell you, do not remain silent. Yell, scream, curse, write about it. Whatever you have to do, do not remain silent because the silence that would echo so loud, and that's how people um, who commit these crimes do not get held accountable for what they've done. Yes. Everything that you said is absolutely positively correct. Because this pandemic is, is becoming more atrocious because the attackers are getting away with so much stuff that is almost to the degree that since the justice system is not working, some individuals, I don't know these individuals, are are really in the stages of vigilante justice because they're not paying what they're doing because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten 
they don't want to go to jail because of the fact of these individuals, these Neanderthals, these animals, these monsters, these mongrels, these mutts, think that they're so superior to the woman that the woman just better do what they say. They have a king complex and they never even filled out the application to have a prince's crown, which is terrible. They think that God gets the women, so they try to dominate the situations and abuse the situations and make the situations way worse, which is horrible. Uh, we have a call on the high, uh, on the line. Uh, Mr. John Hall, a.k.a. the Beast King of the Coyotes. Hello. Welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Your mic is unmuted. Don't be shy because I see you looking at me and I know you see me look at you. So if I have to come and find you, it's not going to be good. Mr. John Hall, a.k.a. Beast King Coyotes. You owe me 1,996 nickels, and they better say 1978. <laughs> I see Joey Deep hiding in that hole over there. Well, Mr. John Hall, when you get back, please come and talk with us, you know, on the mic tonight, because I would love to hear your opinions on this. So when you come back, your mic is on music, so you can stick with us. So, Professor, what are the questions you got for me? Because, you know, we got a lot of female callers on the line tonight. So what else do you got for me, sir? Well, should the women that be a, that should the women that have been assaulted and attacked mm-hmm. create an organization and get a building fund together to make sure that these attackers do get convicted and do go to prison by having the finances put together where they actually have, they can pay lawyers or pay or pay the right people to, they're just not getting away with murder. Like when a woman is attacked, they can pay and get her a good lawyer, not a, not a court-appointed lawyer, to make sure that the evidence is brought, that the evidence is seen and the convictions really do get what they should be. So all the women that have been assaulted create an an organization to make sure that the attackers pay for what they've done. I agree. I think they should. Um, There's two programs. Um, One is called RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org, and the other one is called NoMore.org. They're both two programs that um, help women um, that been in domestic, um, domestic or sexual assault relationships. Um, I do know they have different programs as far as like uh, psychology and stuff, but I'm not sure whether or not they have a program to help uh, women as far as like uh, to pay for lawyers or to help, or even a team of lawyers that help women that come to them, um, like as a pro bono thing. So actually, that might be something um, that. I can look into as far as for Beast Nation Radio, a program maybe I can help start myself. We can help start together to help women um, with these type of issues that need more help because we all cannot afford a lawyer. And I can tell you from self-experience, court-appointed lawyers are overworked 
overbooked and they really want to get in out of there and they really do not care. Nor do they most of the time know your first name. I know by first experience. So, yeah, definitely it is important to get some proper lawyers, some proper um, proper legal legal uh, matters done so that these women can feel safe, can feel um, like they can gain their self-worth, their power back. Yes, yes. I think Nisa Nature Radio should would, would should pursue that because that would help the ones that don't talk speak up. Yes, sir. And if a, and if a, a GoFundMe style program is implemented inside of that, they can be anonymous and fund the account, and that's what the account is used for. Right. I think that's something after the show I'm going to get together with our team members on the platform um, tonight, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna organize some things. We're gonna get together tonight and brainstorm. That's what we're gonna do. All right. Well, yeah. Um, domestic abuse. Um, domestic abuse. I've been a victim of domestic abuse um, myself. Uh, domestic abuse is not only physical but it's mental. A lot of times you you feel as if you did something to trick that person or the man in this case, in my case, um, to abuse you. In no way or fashion um, should a man ever put his hands on him. Uh, they should have enough power to walk away. Um, in my case, it was just a case of wanting to have power over me. Uh, to take my kindness for weakness, and they knew at that time I wouldn't fight back. Um, and that's a, that's a sad thing because it took me a year and a half to get out of that. Um, and, and being in an abusive relationship, I can say it causes you to look at things differently, um, even as far as when you interact with people. You are more timid, I would say, uh, more uh, vigilant of the things that you say. You worry uh, more so, is this what I'm going to say going to cause this person to lash out? If I don't do this, will this cause this person to do this to me? And it becomes a problem. And it's hard when you're trying to build a new relationship with somebody or you're in a new relationship with somebody. You don't want to bring your past into the present, but even that's hard. Um, the idea that sometimes when I'm I'm interacting with the person I'm, you know, in a relationship with or even uh, men in general and this man may just talk aloud normally, that's his tone, I step back from him. And when I notice him look at me funny, then I step back toward him so he doesn't feel any type of way about me stepping away from him. And I don't want to have to explain to him what this, this, and this, and this is why. But sometimes you do have to speak because people cannot read your mind. And when you're interacting with people, whether it's in business or in relationships, and you're a woman and you're dealing with men, you have to stand strong. You have to let your voice be heard and not let what happened in your past make your presence. Of course, it's always going to be a part of you, 
but it does not have to be you anymore. That's you're not in that place. Um, and I I find myself sometimes going back to that place of someone like that woman I was before. But then I have people that pull me out of it and help me realize that I'm not her anymore and she's not me. You just dropped a whole lot of facts. So, Professor, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, not too long ago, Matrix was talking about um, nightmares and stuff as far as, um, or and even Josie was talking about nightmares women have from being sexually assaulted. Um, what advice can you give to a woman? that's dealing with those type of nightmares, what advice can you give her? The biggest thing about the nightmare is the fact that it's a nightmare. Nightmares are used to cause paranoia. And if a woman was assaulted, that's just that that memory is lodged in her head. And a lot of times in your brain, to dumb down what happened to you, you tend to forget what happened to you, but when you sleep, your subconscious never rests. So it lets you see exactly what happened to you. But it does it, it, it puts it, it's there, but it's not there to condemn you. It's there for you to overcome it. And the thing is that you have to overcome it. Before you lay down, because your mind is a computer, your mind downloads, it digitally downloads and unloads everything that you think. Everything that you say. Everything that you say and everything that you do is, is, is computed into your head. So when you be sexually assaulted, the emotions, the feelings, the frustration, the anger, the hate, the pain, the crime, the fear, all of that combined together is what your mind plays back in your head. And your brain tells your eyes what to see while you're sleep. Right. But right. you have to remember that you just went to sleep in your bed. You right. locked all of the doors in your house. There was nobody in your house. So if it plays back something that did happen to you, you have to remember that you're still laying in your bed. Right. And as you're laying in your bed, you have control once you realize you're just laying in your bed. Because it doesn't play. It's not like it plays the scenario and it puts you in your bedroom. No, it takes you back to the place that your mind last recalls what happened to you. But if you remember that you're actually in your bed, you can you can slowly, because it takes time, because it's a psychological thing, you can slowly not just control your dream. You can zip out of your dream. Because those type of dreams are what people call night terrors. Right. That's true. My whole question, though, what if, the event happened in her home, and I mean, the dream is taking her to the place she is at. So what then?
Professor. Professor, mic check one two one two. Oh, you're saying that. I said, so what if the event happened at her home? So she is having the dream in the same place that she's sleeping. What then? See, now that's the other issue. If it happened in your home, you have to, that's the hardest to overcome. Since it's in your home, every spot that it happened is a memory. If it happened in your home, you have to conquer your home. You have to take back your home that was stolen from you and not just your body. That area that it happened, you got to really clean it with whatever you have. And since you still have to walk in that place because that's your home, you have to conquer it. You have no choice. You have to conquer it. That is your home. That uninvited guest invaded. Not just your body, but your home. You have to take your home back. Now, a lot of people, if it happens to their home, they don't go to that home no more. They leave that home. Mm-hmm. If that's the home that you have to stay in, you have to reclaim your home. You have to reclaim it like that didn't happen to you in that place. You have to clean, like, no, no residue of blood or individuals that are in that place, the mannerisms that happen in that, you have to get all that canceled out of your home to make your home be free. Because it's like you're walking back into it. It's like you're literally walking into it or you're sleeping in a dream. If if you were raped or attacked or molested in your bed, you need to change your bed. Mm-hmm. Change the sheets. Change the box spring, you need to change your bed because you're laying back in your own, you're laying back in your pain. That's all you're doing. You're laying right back in your pain. Mm. And God forbid, if you and the man that you really like and, you were, and you're with and y'all want to have sex, you cannot have sex in the bed that you got raped in. Because everything that happens to you when it manifests in the sexual activity that now that you want it, is going to manifest in that moment. That's all you're going to see. Because you want to remember the body pressures, the body weight. You want to, you want to remember certain stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make it horrible. And if the man didn't understand or know that you were raped, that's going to, that's going to fuck his head up. That, that's a quick way to end your relationship. Right. So if, if, if that's your bed, you have to... You have to you have to change the spread, change the frames. Everything that was on that bed at that day, that time, that moment can never be seen again. If you still decide to sleep in that bed, and even then you got to clear, you got to play over that bed. You got to get that you got to get that that bed cleansed because that bed is corrupted. Because whatever presence was in that individual that made them hungry and lust after you so much that they had to take that had to take from you what was never supposed to be given but they didn't have the authority to take from you. You have to get that house clean. You have to get that spot clean. You have to get the area clean. Whatever area that they were at, you've got to get those clean. You can't just sit in there like it didn't happen because it happened. Right. Because you're running to habits of what happened when it happened. The fear, the pain, the, the, the not knowing what to do, 
will all come back to you in those certain areas. If you just leave an area just like it was, you're never going to change. You have to take over those areas and conquer those areas, especially if they're in your house, and mandate what goes on in your house. Right. Very much so. So, Professor. Yes. I want to. I know um, you and I have talked before the show, and I, you know, I know a little about you know the woman that you you know in your life. Uh, so, uh-huh. I, I want to talk to you, you know, kind of open tonight about her and about your experiences with her um, having suffered sexual abuse. Um, I kind of want to open up that side of being in a relationship with somebody like that a little bit more. And I would like to have kind of an intimate conversation with you about it, if you didn't mind. Okay. Okay. So when you first met the woman that you're in love with, the woman that you're with now, um, did you know from a first glance that she was a victim of such a thing? Or was it something you found out over time? Not, not at first. But I'm not, I'm not a normal individual. Mm-hmm. I study people anyway. That's just what I've normally done all the years of my life. Mm-hmm. So I saw habits in her that made me question certain things. Habits such as what? She would be very open and very, very, very leadership driven. But then in a moment, if a man her harsh her, she fold like coffee. Or she she would bow down too easy to certain situations. But it'd be a bow like she was scared. Hmm. Did you ever experience that? Um bow as if she was scared in you guys' relationship? An argument that really wasn't supposed to be arguments in the first place. If the argument got too intense, if the argument got too intense, mm-hmm. She would. She would bow down. Yeah. And how did that make you feel to realize that? How did that make you feel as a man to realize that? Wasn't a good feeling. So in this in this relationship um, with this woman that you're with, um, was she a victim more than once? Multiple times. And is there a reason why you believe there may have been multiple times that she was a victim? Her habits would be changed too, too much. And then she told me. 
Oh, she told you. She told me about uh, she told me about a great deal of them. So, do you think there's maybe one or two she may still be hiding? I try to believe mm-hmm. that we got to a degree where it didn't have to be that bad. Okay. So I heard you mention uh, earlier in the show that the nightmares is the hardest thing for you. Um, is it because her nightmares are very vivid for you, or is it what is it about the nightmares that is so bad to you? Because the names that she say is people that are still breathing. It's people that's not convicted. It's people that are still walking around. It's people that are still calling her after her. It's people that are still coming to her house. It's people that know how to get to her all the time. They know how to get to her all the time because she stays in the same place. They know her family's habits, and they know how to catch her by herself all the time. So it tends to piss me off a lot. Do you think she has any more fear from the situations? You said what? Do you think she has any more fear because of the situation? Like, does she have any fears because of the, the situation she was in? Yes. Could you give me an example? Like, what have you noticed as a fear of hers because of this? Mic check, check, one, two, can you hear me? Yeah. I said, so you said it's the, she does have fear. So I said, what is an example of a fear she has? She says she's fear. Sometimes she says she's afraid of me. She's told you she was afraid of you? Yeah. Okay, how did this come about? We had an argument, and I'm and I'm more intense than the average person. Mhm. I don't like places. I don't like molesters. I don't like none of them that do that stuff. So that caused an enrage in you. So when you were having a conversation with her, and got more heated than it needed to be. It's not a rage. The fact of the matter is, I told her a couple of things, and she didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't force. I I would never force her to do anything. I don't force women to do nothing they don't want to do, because. 
because it's her pastor tape. But when I told her, or when I first when I first saw certain things, I knew it was, I knew. By the way, I know strategy. She she doesn't know strategy, like I know. I know that since the probability of since they knew where she stayed, since they knew her family leave her home by herself all the time. It's too many ways to get her. Her house is literally a war zone, but she chose to stay in it, which made no, which makes no sense to me. But I had to respect the fact that she still wants, this is a path she has to take, so I try to protect her to the best way I can. But when I tell her stuff, and then she, she chooses her own path, and then something bad really, really happens, I I get I get mad at myself because I should have not listened to her and stayed out of it. And I should have took over it. And no matter what it would have happened to me, she would have been safe. Right. But do you think that um do you think that she is like she legitimately has a fear of you or do you think that was just a moment in time fear she had of you? I don't know. I think it's I think it's a moment in time, but it's men in general. I just happen to be the man that she's with, but it's men in general. Not but she's just, just afraid of men in general. Yes. So in knowing that, um, what made you stay? Because it's what I'm supposed to do. Why? Everyone walks. Everybody walks out of her life. Everybody turns their back on her. I would never turn my back on her. Cause she's supposed to be great. She don't know how great she's supposed to be. Everything she thinks she knows about her greatness is is really minuscule on how grand she's supposed to be. And I have to help her achieve that. If her purpose wasn't greater than the sum total of the universe, there's no way I would have stayed. She's way better than what you think she is. And that's why every that's why all of these attackers are trying to take her grace. They try to take what God has given her. They try to put her to the lowest common denominator. They try to they treat her no different than than what they used to treat us as slaves. There's no difference. All the tactics they use, all the barbaric means and motivations, they beat her down like they beat the slaves in the South, slaves in the North. There's no difference. Everything that she's went through is slave master tactics. Right. Because they know that if they let her breathe, that she could be one of the most powerfulest forces ever. They don't want to see her like that. They want to see her under their feet. Mm-hmm. So That's you why see they see her down a lot of high light. You see this well, woman in very bright light, don't you? When you when you walked when you walked 
between light and dark for as long as I am. You really pay attention to what's really light. So she must be light, huh? That's a really beautiful thing that she can still be so bright despite things being so dark around her. Very beautiful thing. Well, Mr. John Hall Coyote, I know you are hanging in a cut with me. What do you have to say about this topic that we are discussing, sexual abuse and uh, domestic abuse in relationships and or just sexual abuse in a whole? What do you think about the matter? Uh, What do you have to say about it? Well, (laughs) Very touchy situation. I can tell you that um, from listening to what he just said, from a man's, it's my opinion, from a from a man point of view, we are we are that we are accustomed to being that strength, that protector, and when we're with someone that, or not even with someone, but if we know someone that we care about so much. <clears throat> what we try to do is protect in any type of way, sometimes physical uh, to get all that, that uh, harm away or, or anything like that. But what we, as a man, what we don't realize is that sometimes sometimes all they need is that voice, that ear, that person to just stop and listen to them. Or to embrace them in a different type of way, because we are, but we are accustomed to being a protector. Like, what is the problem? Let's try to solve it. But sometimes that to solving that a problem is just to just listen. Mm-hmm. As <clears throat> on a on a um, on a. On a, on a different thing, I told you guys a billion times about about my family that passed away and everything like that. And when it comes to domestic abuse, um, <clears throat> the female or who, whomever is in that domestic abuse, even though it's hard, must speak out, say something to someone because even though they might not think of it, but it affects everybody that's surrounding them. Because, for an example, how it happened with them is they are now passed away. Two two of my cousins are now passed away with all three of their kids, all because they didn't speak up. So it's kind of hard <clears throat> to approach a situation in, in, in such a way, because everybody has their defense up, the person might not want, might be afraid to speak or go into a going to a different zone, a different world, to where they don't know how. And there's always someone, somewhere, an organization, somewhere in every state where that they can get help everywhere. Very much so. That's very true. Um, for you, for you as a man, I know you spoke um, that men 
uh, sometimes want to to fix the issue, and then men are like programmed to fix the issue. Um, but for you, have you ever been um, have you ever been in a situation where um, you are able to like be a voice or an ear for someone um, that was going through that particular type of issue? <clears throat> well, yeah. Honestly, when I um, oh, I, I I've been in this. I've I've been like that and not even realizing it. Like when I wake up in the morning every day and give my thoughts and my opinions and I post and stuff like that, I've had people pull up on me and tell me that just my words alone has changed somewhat something in their life on that particular day, that moment or whatever they're going on through their life. And I might not even know that I did that, but um, things like that has happened. That's on. That's on. That's on the internet world. Out and face to face in person, I have had people. I have stopped and had conversations with different church members and 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 um different police officers and 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 everything. And they have at my church. They have an organization to where. Um, sexual and domestic abuse, they have an organization that they have put together to where they have helped people um, within the past year. So I, I, I like to go and stop at the classes and stuff like that on my own and just stop and just listen, sit back in the class and listen. Yeah, and like you said, sometimes having that listening ear. Um, it's very important. I can even say for myself, uh, I've been a listening ear for a lot of people, and sometimes it's hard to figure out um, who to speak to or who is that listening ear that you can reach out to. Because a lot of time, women that deal with these type of uh, vivid events that happen to them, they worry about being judged. Um, and that's that's something that's pre-programmed in their mind once again by the person that committed this heinous crime to them is a psychological thing of, well, I got power over you, and not only that, I'm going to make you think of yourself less worthy and make you, you know, think that, oh, nobody's not going to care or people are just going to be like, well, you had it coming, and that's all that's playing in your mind psychologically or you can't speak to anyone. And the worst thing to do is to remain silent because eventually silence rings so loud that everybody will be able to hear it. But at that point, everybody hears it, but nobody understands it because you're not talking. But it's just ringing all throughout the room or it's ringing all throughout your relationships with people or you start becoming distant all of a sudden and people are wondering well, what happened. That's that silence ringing loud. Nobody knows what to do. So you have to speak up. You have to um, lean on that person uh, that wants to be there. And the thing is, people don't realize you hurt a lot of people around you because it's people that genuinely care. And when you push those people away, it makes them so useless. And so you're hurting people around you that genuinely want to be there by having this um, this fake facade in your mind that nobody cares and you have a whole bunch of people around you. 
and that's a part of what I say. Um, sometimes people walk in a lonely world for people. You're around all these people, and these people know you by name, know your face, color, and want to be there for you, but you feel alone with yourself. And that's like the worst place to be when you're dealing with a situation such as being sexually abused or domestically abused, whether you're a man or a woman, because it goes both ways. We just hear more about it happening to women, but it goes both ways. When you're dealing with something in that matter, um, being alone by yourself or being silent is is a, not the best way to go across the subject. Mr. Coyote, you know, I'm glad that you called in with us tonight and, uh, you know, tuned in with us on the panel. Do you have any closing remarks for the show with me tonight? I would love it if you close it out with me tonight. Do I have any words? You have any closing remarks, final thoughts? Because I would like you to close out the show with me tonight. Okay. Well, I can say that everybody has a voice. We all have an ear. Only take one person to listen. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I like to say. Brian echoes loud. And sometimes that sound is so loud that everybody and their mama can hear it about. But they don't know what the sound is about. Sometimes we as people have to not worry about people seeing our scars or our flaws or let people know about them. Because there's an old saying that says, if only we knew each other's secrets, what comfort we would find. We oftentimes walk around with the same scars, mental, physical, emotional. All these scars make us who we are, but they do not make we make sense. See, I can tell you from experience that speaking out to people can truly save your life. If you or anybody you know is being sexually abused or physically abused or harmed, I will tell you to call your local 911. If you do not feel that is safe, contact RAIN. It's R-A-I-N-N dot org or no more dot org. Those two programs can help you get out of the current situation that you're in. Even if it's something that happened in the past and you need to reach out and talk to someone, you can reach and talk to I myself, Ashley Kaylee. I'm always open to listen and talk to anyone. Because, see, sometimes it's not so much having someone give you an answer or just giving you that ear. I'm KK Belly. A.K.A. Ashley Kayleen. Tonight has been another show of it because I'm black. Thank you, and have a wonderful night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.